Welcome to our FAIR podcast. Today we meet with Dr. Carrie Muhlstein. He is the director of the BYU Egypt Excavation Project. He currently serves on their board of trustees and as a vice president of the Society for the Study of Egyptian Antiquities. He is also a senior fellow of the William F. Albright Institute for Archaeological Research. He's involved with the International Association of Egyptologists and currently teaches as a professor of ancient scripture and serves as the ancient scripture department director of research for the Religious Studies Center at BYU. Dr. Mielstein, thank you so much for meeting with me today to discuss your latest book, Learning to Love Isaiah. I am happy to be here. Thank you. I am excited to talk about this book because I am probably one of few people who already love Isaiah. (laughs) Um, So... This is a treat for me, um, and I just kind of want to start by asking you if you wanted to share anything in particular about your book. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I'd be happy to, and I guess it starts from I have a passion for helping people understand the scriptures and uh, and having them become real to them, and uh, so in particular for taking things that people struggle with understanding and uh, sometimes as members of the church, we start to feel guilty about not understanding something. And and so I just want to help people have a great experience rather than a bad experience with those things. So in some ways, that's the Old Testament in general. And I've just really done everything I can this year to help people uh, create resources for people to understand the Old Testament. Because what I've uh, been afraid of is that we've been doing so great with Come, Follow Me. My sense is that we're studying the scriptures more as a church, you know, as members of the church than ever before. We're we're just really into this, and I didn't want us to all be gung-ho and then hit the Old Testament and have the, you know, the train go off the tracks and just people say, oh, I was loving this, but uh, I just can't do the Old Testament. So so I've been trying to create lots of resources for that. I, I, I've got a, a website called outofthedust.org that has pages on just understanding the Old Testament in general, one on Isaiah, one on the Book of Abraham, one on the Abrahamic Covenant, that kind of a thing. So the Old Testament in general is it can be that way for members of the church where they feel like, okay, I know I should love this and I know I should study this, but I'm not getting it. So I don't love it. Um, and I feel bad about that, but Isaiah in particular. So like, if we're going to identify a part of the old Testament that elicits those feelings, it's Isaiah, because not only do we know we should study the old Testament, but in particular, we know we should study Isaiah, right? The savior says it. Nephi says it. we've got all sorts of emphasis on studying Isaiah. And yet it's, for many people, very hard. And so that really creates this kind of complex, like, okay, I know I should love Isaiah. So I've had lots of people say, I know I should love Isaiah, but I hate Isaiah. Uh, And I, I, I love the book of Mormon until I get to the Isaiah chapters and they just feel guilty over it when instead they could be having a fantastic experience. Uh, It's one of the most beautiful, powerful books in scripture. I think that's why we're supposed to study it. It's, it's such a great book. It just requires a little help. Right. And in fact, in my introduction to the book, I, I talk about Philip, uh, who meets this eunuch and in the New Testament and, and he's studying Isaiah and Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I accept someone to guide me? And so that's what this is. And in fact, uh, the, it's, it's called a commentary and a guide, right? Uh, that's uh, Isaiah, learning, learning to love Isaiah, commentary and guide is the name of the book, uh, because I, I, I want it to be a bit of a guide both in terms of teaching people some skills that will allow them to do it better for themselves, but also in just giving them some of the information that will help them. Uh, and uh, so that's part of why I've, I've written the book. Um, yeah, and what, what do you think is the difference between, or why, why is this particular book um, 
maybe a, a more helpful companion or, or equal companion to maybe the Old Testament book that you already have written or even, because I know that you did that. You did like a side-by-side yeah. texts by text, verse by verse um, of the Old Testament. What makes this book different from that book? So actually that book kind of gave birth to this book uh, oh. in some ways. So I, I did for uh, Covenant Communications, you know, the, the publisher, uh, uh, a verse by verse commentary on the chapters that we covered in the old gospel doctrine, right? Uh, so last go around and the go around before, but now we have, it's, it's about 85% the same, but there's some different chapters that we cover uh, here in Come Follow Me. So, but most of it is the same. And when I'd done that for Isaiah, and I couldn't say everything that I wanted to about each verse in Isaiah because that book was already getting to be really big. Okay, I mean, it's the commentary on each verse of the Old Testament that we cover gets big. Uh, and so I couldn't cover everything, but I also recognized um, what I feel like is a, a, has been a hole in Latter-day Saint understandings or, or writings about Isaiah. Uh, and and I, I I say this not to put down what other people have done because it's been fantastic and I can do better what I'm doing because of what other people have done. But what I've noticed is that and and these are written by my friends and my colleagues. These other commentaries, um, but uh, there are great commentaries on Isaiah, and we tend to focus on latter day fulfillments, which is great. We live in the latter days, right? We have, we want to see the millennium. It's all fantastic. But I have this really strong belief that. Um, we will understand the other applications and fulfillments of the scriptures in general, and especially Isaiah, we'll understand other fulfillments and applications better if we understand the original context and what uh, it meant for people in that day. Then we can understand how it works in our day and different multiple fulfillments of Isaiah better. Uh, and I felt like that was, that was something that was not addressed as fully as would be helpful. So I had written this commentary where I hadn't been able to do that as much as I wanted. And it was only on about uh, a third, between a third and a half of Isaiah. Uh, and I thought, well, now I've got, you know, like almost half of the commentary written. Uh, why don't I just do the rest? Which sounded simple at the time. It, it didn't end up being that simple. But um, I, uh, so that's, that's the biggest difference between this one and what I did before is that it's expanded. It's every verse of Isaiah. That was the other thing is that I didn't find anyone who talked about every verse. And often it was the most difficult to understand verses that got skipped over. Um, and I thought I want a place where members of the church can go and find something on every single verse where the, the difficult topics are addressed and addressed head on. Um, and where we go into the original context, uh, not I wouldn't say as much as possible, because then it would be a really, really, really big book. I mean, it's already 500 pages, but um, it would be a really, really big book. Uh, but we, we, where people can understand that original context and where we discuss both the original context and millennial context, meridian of time context, and so on and so on. Uh, and so that's what this book was, was taking what was a, a, a beginning, both in terms of covering about half the chapters or a few little less, uh, but also uh, not covering everything that I felt needed to be covered and just covering it all. Now, I, I could have kept going for forever and ever on this and never finished, um, but I feel like I did cover what really needed to be covered. Uh, and I did it in a way that, uh, so it, it was kind of fun. As I was writing this, I thought, you know, I, I always learn more when I'm teaching something 
than just writing it. And so I went to my department chair and I said, as I'm writing this, I'd like to be teaching the Isaiah courses as well. And so for three years, I wrote and taught at the same time. And I would take what I was writing into my class, but then I'd learn from my students, here's what's hard to understand, or, oh, look, they want me to connect this and this and this. And so I'd come back and revise even the stuff I'd already written. I'd revise that and change it and so on. And so that process of teaching and writing at the same time for three years really helped me make this a better book. That is, that's, that's a very long time to spend writing a book, but I'm glad that you had the opportunity to to work with other minds and kind of get input on, on what it is that everybody else gets hung up on, especially, you know, something that I'm noticing is the, the millennial generation and the rising generations are, are struggling with, with um, religion in general. And, and I think it's because yeah. they don't understand the scriptures that they've been asked to, to study and read, and they get hung up on little things that don't really have to do with, with doctrine necessarily, but it's, it's just something that they're like, I don't understand this, or I don't, why yeah. is it this way? Or why is he talking like this? And I think you spending the time to, to actually map it all out for us is great. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for it. I'm looking forward to sharing the things that I learn as I read. And I'm not super far into the book because I, I just sit and I'm like, Ooh, and then the baby cries and I have to go <laughs> take care yeah. of the baby. But That's my, my husband is, my husband is one of the people that, that is, has been dreading the come follow me this year. He does not like the Old Testament. He doesn't have the patience for it. And um, he just, he just, he gets hung up on some of the imagery that a lot of these um, Old Testament authors utilize when they're expressing, um, you know, information about the gospel or about the, or about the the millennium or whatever. And so I'm grateful that I have this and I can say, Hey, babe, what have you thought about this? (laughs) And it actually makes our you know, our study of Come Follow Me a little bit more enlightening, even though we haven't gotten to Isaiah yet. I think me telling him about the interesting things that I'm reading in your book, when we sit down as a family and we have Come Follow Me study, then he's more open to sharing. And we haven't been married very long. So it's, you know, three years, you would think that we'd be really good at communicating, but we're not. Uh, no, it, <laughs> um, it, it, it takes time. It does. So, it does. Well, tell them uh, both about this, but also those resources I mentioned on outofthedust.org. Uh, I've got a podcast I'm doing uh, called The Scriptures Are Real. You can find that at outofthedust.org as well, but The Scriptures Are Real uh, and including, so I have a YouTube channel uh, that also has that, that podcast, but it's also got stuff I've created for my classes, my Old Testament classes, little corny videos that I do for them to get information and background. Um, that I'm putting on there. And I'm also putting on the ones I've done for my Isaiah classes where I said, okay, here's material I think I'd like you to know, but we don't have time to talk about it in class. So just watch this video. Mm-hmm. So there will be some videos on, on my YouTube channel, The Scriptures Are Real, um, that will also be helpful for understanding Isaiah. So you can give him all that stuff. Just flood him with this stuff. He'll be so, he'll just like be the Book of Mormon happy boy. <laughs> I mean, the, sorry, I meant the Old Testament. Happy Old Testament boy. happy boy. He's yeah. already a Book of Mormon happy boy. He yeah, likes yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm an Old Testament, but, you know, sometimes uh, I'm old. I just say the wrong thing. It, it, yeah. It's all scripture. And Isaiah yeah, is right. Book of Mormon anyway. So, that's you right. know. Well, and that's another thing I have in the, the book is actually Book of Mormon highlights so that I tie it into the Book of Mormon and then an index so that when we're studying the Book of Mormon mm-hmm. and we get to a certain passage, you can say, oh, I didn't even realize that this passage in the Book of Mormon had some Isaiah stuff. But now I'm looking at this index and it says, go see this part in the commentary and you'll understand better in the Book of Mormon. So I think this will actually help us understand the Book of Mormon better as well. I agree with you, definitely. And I just saw the index last night as I was skimming through to make sure I hadn't missed anything else that I wanted to ask you. (laughs) So that's great. I think the index is, and a lot of times I think in books, 
um, people neglect the index, yeah. including the index in the scriptures. Yeah. And there's a lot of great information there um, and helping yeah. you understand what it is that you're reading and, and, and so forth. So that's, that's a great a little addition and little tidbit. Yeah, especially, to yeah, 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 thank you. So especially for the Book of Mormon, there are a lot of times the Book of Mormon authors allude to, paraphrase, or combine Isaiah passages without saying, hey, I'm using Isaiah. And so people don't notice it. But uh, if you go to that index, then you'll notice and you'll say, oh, look at what Nephi's doing with Isaiah here. That helps me understand Nephi better and Isaiah better to, to uh, have recognized that. So, and, and I have to say, I love the, the format that Covenant came up with for this book where they have this, you know, it's column uh, side by side. I don't know if you can see it here, but whoops, that's loud. Uh, if you can see it here, but you've got the King James version on one column and then the commentary on the other column. So I, I think it just makes, it made the book bigger and has a lot of white space because there's more commentary than there is King James Isaiah. But uh, I think it makes it a lot easier to study it. So I, I was really pleased that they did that. It's, it's made me happy. I, I agree. I think it's, it makes it very readable and, and, and you don't have to be like, okay, now where do I go to find this additional commentary? It's all just right there, right next to it. Almost as if someone had written all these little footnotes in the side of your scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the goal for it. So yeah. um, I am curious um, since this seems to be um, a great companion to come follow me this year, mm-hmm. did the church approach you first or did you have to approach the church to get the come follow me materials so that you kind of understood what, where we were, where the church was going with um, lessons this year. So I had the, the book written Mm-hmm. and uh had gone through all the the process with the uh, covenant going through their review process and everything and and they had edited it and we were all ready to go and we were just waiting for the church to put out its come follow me uh program and they put it out a little bit earlier this year than normal which was wonderful so then i spent about three weeks just going through uh all that they said in come follow me and and going in here and i found I think there were maybe two places that I had to add something that they'd talked about that I hadn't. Most of the time I just had to say, Oh, see, the come follow me talks about that. I wish I would have been able to go in and say it to them, Hey, add this to your come follow me, but it was too late at that point. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and they're, they're smart. I, if, if they had left it up to me, then the problem is that Isaiah would have been like seven months of the curriculum. Okay. So that, that wouldn't have worked. So, uh, so they did it right, but, um, because you have to limit, right? You can't. I mean, I'd love to see us do Old Testament for two years, but that's, uh, that's because I'm biased. But anyway, uh, so we, uh, but yeah, I just went in and I said, okay, yeah, here's uh, what Come Follow Me is talking about. And I've been talking about it here. So I just put in parentheses, like this is a Come Follow Me theme to help people uh, correlate the, what I'm talking about with what they're suggesting in the Come Follow Me manual, just in case they were missing that we were talking about the same thing. I wanted to make it easy for them to catch it. Awesome. Thank you. That is too bad that you didn't get to get a little sneak peek, but you did a good job. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, fortunately, they released it early, so it was like a sneak peek. So. Yeah. So um, I know that you've your passion is is helping people understand the scriptures. Mm-hmm. It seems like this is something that you've that has been a part of you for a very very long time in your life. Um, I'm assuming that you were probably much like myself. You learned to love the scriptures from a very young age. But how did you learn to love Isaiah? Because there is that stigma and it's been there for generations that Isaiah is hard. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I, uh, 
I can't say that I ever had a time where I thought, oh, I hate Isaiah or I don't didn't like Isaiah. I, I always liked Isaiah. Uh, I've always been someone who was into literature and imagery and symbols. Uh, in fact, that's why I started studying uh, biblical stuff and Egyptological stuff in general, because uh, they were into symbols and I liked symbolism. So I always liked Isaiah. But I do remember the when it really first started to come to life for me. And it was when uh, I was on my mission and uh, I remember hearing someone talk about how Isaiah has multiple fulfillments. Uh, meaning that when he, there's a prophecy, most of his prophecies are intended to be fulfilled in more than one time period. And we call it dual fulfillment if it's just two, but 90% of them are multiple. They're fulfilled in many time periods. And and that's part of why he's a little bit vague and a little bit difficult to understand. Because if he were super specific, then it wouldn't work very well for all these time periods. So he's intentionally a little bit vague so that it works for those time periods. So I thought, okay, I, I, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, and I got uh, two different translations of the Bible besides the one I already had, the King James Version. And I would read, uh, I'd go start reading Isaiah, and I'd read like three or four verses, whatever chunk of verses seemed like they went together, right? Like this is one idea, one thought. And I'd read those and ask myself, all right, what, is, what does this mean for Isaiah? Um, and then I would read another translation asking myself, what does this mean for Israel in my day? And then I'd read another translation asking, what does this mean for me as an Israelite individual? And I found, wow, every time I can come up with all three of those. And, and reading different translations helped me a little bit. Um, and uh, but, but just seeing how the, it applied so well for those three time periods just made Isaiah come to life for me. And uh, and I fell in love with Isaiah even more uh, and have never really quit falling in love with Isaiah since then. Just a continual growth of love, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And the more I study him, the more amazed I am by him. Like I knew he was an amazing, gifted writer uh, and had power in his writing. Uh, for a long time, I've known that. But as I went through writing this book and trying to to explain it and and get into the meanings and so on, it came to me all the more like, wow, he's even better than I thought he was. And there's more power and more relevancy in my life than I thought there was. Uh, and I had the experience all over again. So it's also available as an audiobook. And uh, it was one, usually I, I do my own audiobooks every now and then they get someone else to do it. But usually I do my own audiobooks. And uh, with this one, I was thinking, I don't know, that's so long. I'm not sure I want to do this one. So I wasn't going to say anything. Um, and it did take like, I don't know, about 50 hours of, of recording, but um, I wasn't going to say anything, but they came to me and they said, would you do this one? We don't know if anyone else we got, if they pronounce things uh, in a way that you'd be happy with. And I was like, oh, that's true. Uh, so, so I did it. And as I read it I, again, so I hadn't basically had been almost a year, not quite, but uh, almost a year since I touched the book because uh, they'd been typesetting and all that kind of thing. And, and as I was uh, reading it out loud again, again, I was like, Wow, I am reading every single time I go in to read, it, and it took me like a month and a half of going in on different days to report it. And every single time, I'm like, "Wow, this this is is helpful for what I'm going through right now today. This is helpful for my family right now today." And I I know this stuff really well. I just wrote read this I wrote this stuff right. I know this really, but wow, it is again powerful for me. It is again helpful for me. Uh, so every time I go back through it, I I'm re impressed. Uh, and reconverted to the power of Isaiah in my life specifically and its relevancy to my life. 
Wow. Um, how did you do a, a, an audio recording of this book? I would imagine it'd be a little bit more complicated. You'd have to read it, the verse, and then the commentary. Is that how yeah, you Yeah, that's, that's what you read the verse. Yeah, I can, I can mimic it for you because uh, I did it so many times. I can remember how it goes, but you read the verse and then it, you, you still say like, Isaiah chapter one, verse 18. And then I read it now. And then I pause and you say commentary. And then you do it. And then you go verses three through four. Uh, cause I'll, I'll like, if there are some verses that go together, you'll have those commentary on verses three through four rather than just three and four, because sometimes it makes more sense to address them together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, it was a little tricky. And yeah, I say things like, cause I have all these little highlights in there, right? Like there'll be book of Mormon, book of Mormon highlight. The, the one that's, I think, the most awkward is that we have these shaded texts where uh, I address either historical um, things that are helpful for you to know, maybe something about uh, Cyrus of Persia or who Hezekiah is and that kind of a thing. Or uh, there are lots of times it's helpful to say, uh, this chapter relates to this chapter in this way, and it also relates to this chapter, and it draws on these things. So Anything where it was not just about the verses I was addressing, but about the chapter as a whole or sections of chapter or sections of the whole book and so on. Then we put it in the shaded box. So for the audio book, I'd just say shaded box, right? And uh, uh, it's just a little bit uh, awkward, but we couldn't figure out a better way to do that to let people know this is this is a, a kind of a meta text commentary uh, in a way. So. Right. Is the... Um... Is the audio version of the book only available through Deseret Book, or is it available through multiple um, booksellers online? I, I don't know. That's a good question, and I haven't even seen. I should check because it, like, the book was already in print and available by the time we started recording, um, and then it took so long to record that that audio version came out uh, quite a bit later. I think they decided they weren't going to do an audio version, and then they decided, oh, we're getting enough requests, we better do it, and so then they talked me into doing it. And uh, I went, I left for to excavate in Egypt during the middle of that. So there was a big gap. And then uh, the guy who was doing it also was working on like Christmas productions. And so anyway, it was slow. So I don't know where all it is available. Um, I would have to look into that to give you that answer. I'm sorry. That's okay. I don't know the answer either. So it'll be a, a discovery, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's almost always a desert book, even when this, though this is the covenant, production desert book is usually where you get your audio books for, right uh, even right. covenant books i just wasn't sure if it was available like on kindle or it it, it might be okay. it, sometimes it ends up being available on amazon so it might be maybe while we're talking i'll look and see. perfect <laughs> all right um do you have a favorite um part or section of this book or even of isaiah um, i know that's a, that's a really good question um I like all of it. So um, the chapters, and I think everyone likes these chapters, um, the chapters on uh, the suffering servant. So we get like around chapter 52 and 53 and so on were really powerful for me. Um, the, uh, the last couple chapters, 63 is really powerful for me. Um, but probably what I liked the most is uh, you take these middle chapters of Isaiah, say chapters um, 32 through maybe 40, and it, it's so impacted by what's going on historically that uh, when you when I was able to say, okay, here's what's going on historically and keep putting in these things to, to help people make sense of 
what he was teaching us and then say, this is how it applies to us today. That I loved that part. That was really, really wonderful. Uh, but I'd say also chapters like 22 through 27, I really, so yeah, there are a lot of parts that I really liked a lot. Uh, and I'm looking on Amazon and it looks like they've got Kindle edition, which is, uh, significantly cheaper than the paperback edition. Uh, I wonder what it looks like. I wonder if they were able to make the, the formatting come out pretty well, but I don't see an audio version on there. Okay. Perfect. Um, I know that you are an author of multiple books now. How has becoming an author impacted your life on a spiritual level? Uh, there are a lot of ways I can answer that question. Um, the great thing about writing is that it forces you to examine your thinking more carefully and to, to really sort through your thoughts. And if you do that prayerfully, and if you do it, so here's a, just a general gospel principle I've found. Um, if you are doing things for yourself, even good things, like I want to be closer to God, I want to be more holy, and you're doing that because you should be closer to God and more holy, but it's kind of for yourself, it's not as effective if you're saying, I want to be closer to God so that I can help other people more. Or I want to be more holy so that I can help other people more. Um, you always, it, it, you grow more when you have that second mindset and, and the spirit floods you more. And I find that with writing, if I'm writing a book and I'm thinking and, and you end up automatically praying, how can I help other people with what I'm writing? Right? I'm not writing this for myself. I'm writing it for others to help other people. And when you have that focus of being forced to think through something clearly and then seeking help from the Lord to be to know how can I write this? What do I need to emphasize that will help others? And I had to make that decision sometimes because as big as this book is, it could be bigger. Uh, I had to say, okay, I, I, at this point, two pages on this verse is all we need to move on, right? I don't know that I have any that are really two pages on one verse, but, but you'd have to say, I, I need to move on. What are the things that other people really need to hear? What will help the most people the most? And so you start prayerfully thinking through that way. So not only are you thinking, sorting through your thoughts really carefully, but you're sorting through, uh, hopefully with some guidance from the Spirit, what of those thoughts do other people need to hear how to present this to them so that it helps them? What are the most helpful things that, uh, that really allows you to see the gospel from, I, I think more of the, the Lord's perspective or a, a prophetic perspective. My prophets were not writing for themselves. They were preaching and speaking for other people. Um, it has uh, helped me to, to be flooded with the spirit when I do it. Uh, and like I said, even when I was uh, reading it out loud, I, those were spiritual experiences for me. I, I, I would come home just kind of on a spiritual high. Uh, and there's one other element, um, especially uh, like some of the books. So, for example, uh, one that uh, came out about a year ago uh, called um, God Will Prevail on the Abrahamic Covenant. And that is... Uh, so much focus on uh, the Abrahamic covenant, but in particular because I felt like President Nelson wanted us to focus on the Abrahamic covenant and to think through uh, how am I not only doing God's will, but supporting the prophet as I write these things. And I've thought of that with, with uh, all of them, right? The book of Abraham. I, so I just had another little book called Let's Talk About the Book of Abraham come out. And, you, you know, how am I supporting the prophet in writing this? How am I supporting the prophet? And I had one on the first vision that 
came out right when the prophet was asking us to study the first vision. And I felt very much in that one. I want to be supporting the prophet. So it's also increased my desire to support the prophet, my, uh, my appreciation of their, well, in this case, specifically president Nelson, but in general, their prophetic abilities, um, and, uh, made me more grateful for prophets, ancient and, and modern. Uh, I'll just, I mean, this is a kind of personal, but it's, it's, going through that process really kind of starting with um my book in the first edition the next one was uh god will prevail uh it's become a, a regular part of my prayers to just thank the lord for prophets ancient and modern who have toiled so hard to give us this information that brings us back to him and uh I, I just get a glimpse into both their abilities and their sacrifice and their dedication uh, you know, I, I, it was a lot of work for me to write a book about Isaiah's writings, and that's nothing compared to Isaiah writing, right? Um, so I am increasingly grateful for prophets. I think that your approach to writing in general is um, a great little nugget of, of inspiration that I think all of us as teachers in some capacity should take to heart. You know, the fact that you obviously prayers at the center of it all, but then your intention is, is less of like, well, here's what I know. And here's all my information. It's more of this is, I've asked God to help me know what I need to share with you based off of all this knowledge that I have. Here's what I need to share with you on this particular subject. And I think that if more of us as, as teachers, as parents, as siblings, as children. (laughs) um, And as in our church callings. Yeah, exactly. I I think if we can all take that approach, then we're going to start seeing a a major shift in our our religious um, commitment. We're going to see a shift in in how the world views us as members of God's church. We're going to see a shift in the efforts of um, missionary work because suddenly we're all going to become more in tune with the spirit, we're going to become closer to being the master teacher that we all want to be, I think. And some people don't give themselves the credit, you know, when they are good teachers and they, they, Oh, I'm not that good. I I hate teaching or it it flusters me or whatever. I'm like, well, maybe it flusters you because you're focusing too much on who, what you know, and and less on what God wants you to share. Uh, I agree. I very much agree. And, and I, my own personal experience is that the more, the less you're focusing on yourself and the more you're focusing on how you can do any of this for others, the more easily you're flooded with the spirit. And then the, and that's the more joy you have. So, uh, the less it's about you and the more anything is about everyone else, the more light is in your life, the more spirit is in your life and the more joy is in your life. Amen. And amen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you think that the reason why people continue to think Isaiah is so unpleasant to read and study is because of the ambiguity that he uses in his writing? Or do you think it's, if it, or do you think it's just this, you know, decades long stigma that Isaiah is hard to understand? Some of it is mental. It really is. Some of it is, if you are afraid of it, then you won't do well with it, right? That's just how it is. And if you love it and relish it, then you will do well with it. That That really is, uh, a mindset is definitely part of that. And that's part of my mission for this year is to change the mindset uh, for both the Old Testament in general and Isaiah in, in particular. Uh, that's why I'm trying to create all these resources and everything else and doing lots of podcasts. I'm on my own podcast, but others as well, all that stuff. Um, 
So that's some of it. But there are some real obstacles to Isaiah. And some of it is the vagueness. Um, some of it is the symbols that he uses. Isaiah uses imagery and symbolism better than anyone. I think better than any writer in the history of the world, honestly. Um, I used to say he's among the best in the world. And as I wrote this commentary, I came away saying, no, no he is the best. Um, and And that's great, but it's also difficult, right? So he creates images because he wants you to feel his message, right? So he will create, he'll say like 20 different ways, the terribleness of the destruction that's coming. Um, and part of that, so the repetitiveness gets, it bothers us a little bit because our culture doesn't like repetitiveness where his culture did. Um, but, but if we'll just allow it to wash over us, right? What he's trying to do is flood you with a feeling of the horror of what happens when destruction comes. Uh, right, or flood you with a feeling of the joy that happens when God restores wonderful things to you, right, and so he just uses these images that sometimes they're probably not based on anything that's real, it's an image he's trying to create to help you feel the message he's he's trying to bring across, and so sometimes that's difficult for us, especially when some of those images make references to things we have no idea what they're talking about, right, Um, and and so a lot of that he uses geographical places and settings that are difficult for us because we don't know them. He uses um, uh, agricultural metaphors that are difficult for us because we are, uh, you know, largely not an agrarian society now. And by we, I mean the world. We're becoming less and less. We're more urban than rural for the first time ever. And in, in, uh, a few years ago, we, we hit that threshold. Um, and he'll use uh, uh, just references to things that don't happen for us anymore. And so we have to kind of dig through and say, what in the world is he talking about there? And uh, and so that's part of why I did the commentary. I could have done just the guide part, right? Okay, here are skills that you need. And I could have said, dive into these images, right? So when I teach like kind of extended classes on how to understand Isaiah, one of the things I do is, okay, let's, let's talk about how to deal with the symbol. And I, I talk about, you just need to tear it apart. The first thing is understand the literal thing. Don't start trying to understand the applications immediately. If he's talking about threshing, become an expert on threshing then you can start to say okay well now here's how the symbolism applies in my life and so on and so on so i could have just done that but for some of these it's it's some things it's actually with the internet today it's kind of easy to find them but some of them even with that it's kind of hard to find what some of these things are so i that's why i did the commentary part where i can say okay here is where this place is and why it's relevant for this discussion or here's what's going on here so i just use an example real quickly um and right now i can't even remember what I think this is in the mid twenties chapters, but I can't remember. But he talks about um, uh, that uh, it, the servant won't uh, bruise a reed, or uh, uh, and he won't uh, like throw away a, a smoking flax, right? And you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, and we could do the reed, but let's just do the, the flax one, all right? So, flax is a, it's a plant, right? We use flax seeds today because they're healthy for us. But their primary use is that uh, if throughout time is that you use flax, you, you get the fibers and you weave them together and linen is made from flax, right? And that was the most common form of clothing in the ancient world uh, was linen clothing. And, and so flax is important. But for ancient Israel and, and Isaiah's day, they also had a lot of wool um, and, and so on. But but the biggest, well, not the biggest, but one of the big things they used flax for, they would wind or weave these things together to make a wick for their oil lamps. 
So when you're talking about a smoking flax, that's what you're talking about, right? Because you don't usually burn your clothes. Um, so that's, that's the wick. And what happens is when the, the wick is doing fine, then it doesn't smoke much. You, uh, you, it's filled with oil and it's, it's burning and it doesn't smoke. And when the wick is getting towards the end of its life, it starts to put out a lot of smoke. And that's how you know, okay, I'm going to throw this away. So if the Savior's not throwing away smoking flax, what does that mean? And for me, at least, it means I may be getting to where I'm not performing that well. And so I become smoking flax. Does that mean the Savior's going to throw me away? No. He's going to, he's still going to use me. He's going to find a way to replenish me is really what that verse seems to be saying, right? And, and, uh, so for an example, when I was uh, writing that, I was, um, the elders quorum president and I, I, I took it as, you know, there are lots of people who we sometimes look at and we say, Oh, I don't know that they could do this calling or they could do that calling. And they're kind of struggling in their commitment or they're not as reliable as we'd like them to be. And, uh, if we just say, okay, then never mind then that's taking a smoking flax and throwing it away. And that's not what the servant would have us do, right? That, and and we are also the servants, so that's not what we can do. We need to say, okay, that flax is smoking. How do I help replenish this flax so that I can use it in my life? So it's those kind of symbols that I, I think also, because most people are going like smoking flax, and well, what does that mean? I don't care. So I don't get Isaiah. Let's move on, right? One of my big things would be, when you study Isaiah, I would say slow down and take the time. If you think you're going to get a lot out of Isaiah going quickly, you're you're wrong. You're going to have to pay a price. If and and this is kind of a general true principle anyway. Uh, I can't remember who it is now, but there's a great. I think he was a Catholic thinker who said um, God reserves. Um, he was also a guy who did hiking or and a naturalist, and said he reserves the most beautiful views for those who are willing to work the hardest to get them. Meaning, like you have to hike and walk, and whatever else. The most beautiful places aren't someplace you just can end up at easily. You have to work to get these beautiful views. Well, that's true of the scriptures. And the most beautiful views are in Isaiah, but not if you're going to rush through it. If you want those beautiful views, you're going to have to spend the time and say, okay, what does this symbol mean? But I hope I've made it easier for you by giving you some of the symbols here. You're going to still have to figure out how to apply it to your life. But hopefully I've, I've made it a little bit easier uh, like we created a trail now so that you don't have to just go through the woods to get to see that beautiful mountain lake, right? We've got the trail, uh, which is this commentary so that you can get some of these symbols. Uh, and hopefully that takes away that's that difficulty that comes for a lot of people in struggling with his symbols. Although I should say that symbols always have more than one meaning and you shouldn't take whatever I've written as the only way. No, it's, it's true. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a mentality amongst, members of the church, members of other um, religions, even who, when they read the scriptures, it's just a quick, okay, I'm going to read a chapter and then I'm done for the day or I'm done for, you know, whatever. And with a lot of the old Testament, a lot of the scriptures in general, in my opinion, you do have to take the time to say, wait, what is, what is, what is the author trying to tell me? What, what does this mean? Or what is this word? What's the definition for this? We do it for other things. We do it when we're in school. We do it when we're, you know, we don't understand a concept at work or, or whatever. And we're, we're constantly learning. Why, why is it that we, we cease to apply those same learning, learning tactics when we're reading the scriptures. And so I definitely agree with you that you need to stop and, and okay. Do I understand what threshing is? Do I, you know, what is a flax or what is, you know, what is this? And it seems redundant, I think, for people who, who don't have the patience to sit still and, and pay attention and just focus on what does this word mean? Yeah. 
but yeah, I have to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I just I, that's that's what makes it that's what makes it enjoyable. That's that's how you can also then share the information with other people. You know, you look at it from a teaching perspective. You know, how many times do you even in Sunday school, a good teacher. I would think, this is my opinion, a good teacher would go through the lesson and say, or the, or the material and say, okay, what are some words that maybe we aren't spending enough time focusing on? Let's define them. Even if it's a word that we've heard a million times, let's, let's define this word and really help people understand why we're focusing on this in our lesson today. You know, we, we, we've done the armor of God how many times, but why is that important? Or we've, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, the, we've talked about the the allegory of the olive tree we've talked about all but why is it important let's break it down and let's focus on specific things in this section and yeah it's going to take us the whole entire class period to talk about just this one thing but guess what we get to meet again next week and we get to talk about it more so it doesn't really matter as long as you got something out of it hopefully (laughs) yeah yeah i I agree i i have to kind of laugh uh like i have kids who will watch these uh youtube videos like okay here's all the, the meaning behind this thing in the Marvel universe, right? And the, uh, what are the, all these theories about, okay, well, this is happening. And they have the patience to puzzle through all sorts of symbols and storylines in the Marvel series, you know, all, all these Marvel movies, Marvel comic movies. And, but we don't want to do the same thing with Isaiah. And I'm thinking, what? You do it there. Sit through this podcast with this too, right? Or study this way. Let's if if we're going to give time to this other stuff, and I'm not saying we should, that I mean, Marvel's fun, that's fine with me, but let's give it to some really important things as well. That same kind of willingness to slew through it and and uh, invest our time and our energy into it. And I think that's the biggest challenge as as learners and teachers is wanting to be that engaged with the content. Yeah. You know, and I think it's easy for for us to geek out and nerd over, you know, a storyline in the Marvel universe or, you know, in Lord of the Rings Star or whatever, Wars, or, yeah. Star Wars, yeah. anything that's got a cult following, like, yeah. it's easy to do that because there's, there seems to be more people who have already gone through and slewed through a lot of the information and put all these pieces together. And I think you're kind of a pioneer in a way not to discredit any of your any of your colleagues or anybody else who's done any of the work already in in piecing together parts of Isaiah that are relevant for you know the the second coming and the millennium and those types of things but i think if more of us could sit down and try to piece together how Isaiah fits into the rest of our religious study and our our eternal progression then maybe we could all start geeking out and have a cult following yeah. for Isaiah <laughs> yeah i agree and and what i hope is that people will take it a step further so like i said you know I, I, I had the privilege of standing on top of things my colleagues have already done. Like, oh, I understand that because they taught me this or they wrote this, right? And then I could take it a step further. And I hope that there are, that people will take it a step further in their own lives, right? That uh, hopefully we're providing things. You know, I've got stuff, well, this Hebrew word means this, and this is where this is geographically. And so hopefully we provide some of the things that they don't have to go get a degree for but uh, but then they can start to piece it together and, and create something more for others. So hopefully we, we each keep taking it a step forward, uh, especially in our families. I hope that parents will help their children take a step forward with Isaiah. Uh, and uh, how wonderful if this year in Come Follow Me, if children and teenagers are learning to have the right mindset about Isaiah because their parents are helping them feel enthusiastic about it rather than fearful of it. 
And, and if we can change that mindset at a young age, I think we're going to see some great things happen. I agree. I think I, I personally want more people to read Isaiah because I have always valued its contents in my life. And not, unfortunately, not to the degree that you have, but now I have your, your commentary. So that's going to help me even more. I think for me, my real struggle is, is the how, how can I use the information that you've provided and the information that you're standing on from, you know, your colleagues and, and former writers and so forth. How can I use this, this book to encourage my family and friends to engage in reading in reading Isaiah like like I do or like you do how how yeah. I think and that, and that that's probably where I get hung up is I'm like okay I need to figure out how I can help them and I don't maybe is it just being excited about what we read and sharing it more frequently is that the biggest key or what do you think I think that's part of it I, I think part of it is a role model right if we're excited and we show them it can be done then with almost anything, whether it's Isaiah or basketball, then uh, that the, the, that becomes contagious. So I think that is part of it. But again, hopefully we've made it more possible. This commentary and other things people have done, hopefully my videos I'm putting up on them and that kind of thing, make it so people feel it's doable, right? We just want it to be a, a little bit more doable for people and then the enthusiasm will spread. Definitely. I agree. Um, just in closing, do you have... Um, any additional encouragement that you want to give to readers of Isaiah, readers of learning to love Isaiah, um, that you want them to take away from this, this wonderful conversation that you and I have been able to share today? Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll just sum up with this. It kind of what my, uh, I've already talked a little bit about my personal experience of what I gained from it, but maybe just a little bit more. Sure. As I really got into to studying Isaiah, which I've I've taught of Isaiah, I've studied Isaiah for a long time, but when I really got into it, and I think that we've got like six weeks of doing Isaiah, I think, and kind of follow me. So that's a good while people can put into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like a couple of things in particular happened for me. One, I felt like I came to appreciate prophets more, as I've talked about. Two, I felt like I came to know Jehovah or Jesus Christ better. And part of that was by letting him present himself to me in all of his different ways. Uh, so one of the reasons I, I mentioned those mid-20s chapters is you get the, this wonderful juxtaposition of imagery, like in, in chapter 25 and 27. And one of them, he talks about coming out with his great sword uh, to fight for us. And in the other one, he talks about wiping away our tears. And, and I've written elsewhere about this, but the reason he can wipe away our tears is because he's effective at using his sword, right? So just on, on one, like just one example of that one level, but the most important one, because he was willing to conquer death and hell, he can wipe away a number of our tears, right? Because he is mm-hmm. that kind of a warrior. But if we just focus on the wiping away tears part and not the other part, we don't really know who Jehovah is or why he can do what he does. And when I say Jehovah, I mean also Jesus Christ, right? So I feel like I allowed the Savior to present to me the way he is better by really looking at Isaiah. And I drew closer to the savior as a result. Um, and I, I also came to appreciate how important it is to pay less attention to the world and more attention to God as I read Isaiah. And that really changed me. And, and uh, you know, it just in uh, President Nelson's October, his last addresses, uh, uh, last few remarks in the October um, 2021 conference talk where he asked us to um, make more time for Christ 
or will will fall prey to the beat of Babylon's uh, band, I think is the, the word he, he used or the phrase he used. And he talked about uh, avoiding deception and distraction uh, of the world by making more time for Christ. And that message was carried to me really, really powerfully by Isaiah. So I'd say in general, when I'm spending time in Isaiah, I appreciate prophets, I appreciate Christ, and I have a greater desire to follow Christ by following the counsel of his prophets. And I don't know that you could have something better happening in your life than those experiences. Thank you. I I really appreciate your insights and your your testimony. Um, I want to like go out and tell everybody to go read Isaiah now. (laughs) I don't know if anybody will listen to me, but you know. We'll, we'll shout it from the rooftops or uh, on a podcast, whichever one. I guess yeah. maybe podcast has a, a broader reach, right? You know, and I think I think you've definitely, um, I think you've pulled out all the stops in trying to get the message of of the gospel and especially the messages that Isaiah has written out to the world. And you're you're doing everything that you can. And I think the least we can do is say, hey, you know what? We're listening and and uh, go and read Isaiah or stop and, and listen to a podcast that you've done or even somebody else has done and really spend right. more time coming closer to God because that, I think, not I think, I know that's the ultimate, the ultimate end desire that Isaiah had, that, um, that Nephi had, that any prophet, ancient and modern has ever had is to bring God's children back to him and and it has to happen spiritually before it can happen physically and that's kind of why we we tend to lose focus i think because we we want to we want it all to happen now physically and we're not we're not ready to to have god um you know to have christ come and 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 restore everything again we're we're not ready for him to come again we're just not we we are not spiritually ready for the second coming and that's why christ himself while he was on the earth literally commanded us to ponder and study the words of Isaiah because Isaiah wrote it so perfectly. (laughs) I mean, even when the master teacher says, go read the words of Isaiah, you should probably say, Oh, I should read the words of Isaiah. If Christ is telling me to do it, maybe I should. I I agree. I think you're right. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. And thank you for your book. And thank you for all the time that you spend to, to help us, all of us learn the scriptures better and, and to become better saints. I, I, I'm grateful for it. And like I said, I haven't even gone that far into the book. I didn't go to BYU in Provo. <laughs> I never took a course from you, but I can tell that your love for the history and the scriptures is, is definitely something that we all need to embrace a little bit more and less of the world and more of this, because that's, what's most important. I I very much agree with you, and I think it really is a pleasure for me. I mean, I love doing this stuff, and the more we can spread the word and help people, no point in doing it and no one listening or reading this stuff. So the more we can spread the word, the better, right?